Hi again, you guys. It's Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer of Scandal, and this is Scandal Revealed, the official Scandal podcast, the one which is actually technically officially official. So thank you so much for tuning in again. We are here today with an incredibly exciting guest who actually has a range of incredible experience and also, on a personal note, does happen to be one of my best friends, so it was really easy to get her in. I was actually, I fed her some lettuce, and that did the trick, which for most of my friends- It was the Greek olives. It was the Greek olives that actually did it. That is what did it. See, um, this is Alex Patsavas, who is very, very multi-talented and actually has been part of the Shondaland family for, since before there was a Shondaland. Since the, the Grey's pilot. And Alex, we started working with Alex on before the Grace pilot even shot. So she was one of the first people that we hired and she gave us all this incredible music to help us shoot the pilot. And we've been together ever since. And she has provided the music and helped choose the music for Grey's Anatomy, Private Practice, Scandal, Off the Map, and a myriad of fabulous pilots which should have gotten picked up. But they should have. They absolutely should have. Um, today, Alex is wearing a fabulous dress, which is um, very, very multicolored. She's accentuated it with some gorgeous jewelry. Um, I just want to point out the dress, which is sort of a shirtwaist dress in many, many different colors, has tassels on the arms, which is pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty it's exciting. It's a little tacky, but I, uh, I, I, they're I enjoy it. They're pretty exciting. They're pretty exciting. They go very well with the gold jewelry. Thank you. I think. I enjoy is, a little gold jewelry. I am wearing no tassels today, interestingly <laughs> enough. Um, I am tassel-free. I eschewed the tassels. I thought about it, but I left them at home and instead am wearing a jogging suit. It's matching and um, it does have some diamond writing on it. Getting back to actually the topic at hand though. So Alex, you've been, we've been doing this forever. We've been doing this forever. I was we just have, trying right? to think of actually the year that we started, which would have been 2003. Holy moly. I feel like we were both young back then. We actually were. You, I actually have like the longest relationship I have with anybody with you, I think. <laughs> I think you actually predate my husband. Uh, how did I that I think I at least predate the actual wedding. Probably not him. You definitely, you definitely do. Because we met in 2001, mm-hmm. which is when I met him. Right. 2001. 2002. So you're right neck and neck there. Right. I always like to say, like, Shonda and I feel like we have the longest successful relationship. It's my husband, Alex, and Shonda now, so we can can actually now add to this. And in addition to doing all of our shows, Alex also provides music for Mad Men, You've Done Gossip Girl, The O.C., the Twilight. The Twilights. She also has an amazing record label. I'm just going to give it a plug, which is Chop Shop Records. And she has um, these great bands that also play with instruments places, like they, real they bands. They do. They actually do. We're, all, we're, gonna, we're excited about some new albums coming out this year. Which is super cool. And she's also pretty much put together all of our Grey's Anatomy soundtracks and our Scandal soundtrack. We've done four soundtracks together so far. It's true, and um, one of them was nominated for a Grammy, right? That's right. We didn't win it. I think maybe it was stolen. It was a shame. It was a shame. It was basically it was a scam. It was like one of the very first TV shows soundtracks to actually be nominated for a Grammy. So and now exciting stuff. Alex actually is involved with the Grammys because she's very fancy, and um, she gets where you get to wear fancy clothes and go to the parties and stuff. I do. I, wear, I borrow your Diamante uh, Yes, my, my, my tracksuit, which, <laughs> which looks lovely on you, too. Uh-huh. Um, I also just want to say Alex actually gave me one of my favorite gifts I've ever gotten, which is a bathrobe, which my name has been embroidered on, <laughs> which I mentioned actually in a podcast a couple of weeks ago. But it's it's super, super attractive. It's got a zip up front. <laughs> and we each decided to get them with our names It is a sweatshirt tent. It, it, is, a, <laughs> it is a floor length sweatshirt tent with some sorority lettering. It's a very, it's a very special I treasured bet, present. I bet your husband loves it. He thinks it's pretty amazing. <laughs> I bet. As you can imagine, he requests that a lot. So this episode, we'll talk about a little 
little bit, and then we're going to talk about a little more with Alex about what she does, how she does it, how we choose the music on the show. You guys, this episode was kind of mind-boggling, mainly for me because we got to meet the two children of Fitz and his lovely wife, Melly, Karen and Jerry. Jerry, sadly and weirdly and strangely named after, of course, Big Jerry, which has a whole cluster poo of things attached to it as fraught. well. Exactly, exactly. And Karen, who seemed like a bit of a handful in herself, and obviously this episode revealed to the kids as much as it revealed to us, because I think Karen actually saw a little more of something than she intended to. And it sounds like Jerry was into some relatively deep anti-dad stuff. So I think it's going to be interesting to see if anything else sort of comes of that. And it's just, it's a great, great episode with all those dynamics between that Fitz family. And it feels really claustrophobic to me. Like it was one of those episodes where, I don't know, I feel like I'm trapped in the White House with a really crazy, unhappy family. And everyone's kind of yelling at each other, which I, it's, I found incredibly entertaining. And the music, as always, in this episode is incredibly important. And I think probably what a lot of you guys have picked up on is the fact that Shonda loves using music from the 70s. Absolutely. In this particular television program. And there has been very few times that music from the 70s has not been used to document a historical moment in time. It is, right? It's it true. is like often used to telegraph to people that, you know, sometimes where we are, it's the, the 70s tracksuit and a piece of music. I think this is a really unusual show because we're using 70s music in a show that couldn't be more current. Exactly. And it is an interesting, exactly. interesting way to go. And I remember during the pilot when she when we were editing the pilot and this sort of flash of brilliance in her brain which is as we all know normally pretty brilliant so this was yet another brilliant flash in a series Tuesday, of brilliant it was flashes. Tuesday's brilliant it was instead of Tuesday afternoon Tuesday at 2 p.m. I remember she got all excited about the idea of using this one song that was behind the montage that we were doing which I think was Express Yourself wasn't mm-hmm. it and the whole world of sort of 70s funk R&B sort of came flooding in for her. And she started to realize that you wanted that sort of energy that comes with those songs to drive the story along and also give you this kind of gritty, sly tone to the show. Because it totally makes it elevated, I think, from a lot of the other shows that have procedural and emotional aspects to them. I think there's a there's a warmth and a danger and a grit to some of these songs that pairs beautifully with the warmth and danger and grit on the show. And it's the way they were recorded. They're, these songs were recorded in one take. There was no fixing of the vocal. There's beauty in mistakes and the, the chaos of some of these songs. And of course, some of them, we, we move into some dance music sometimes and some rock, but there is a visceral quality to the songs that I think lend themselves beautifully to the, to the drama. I also feel like because she and you have tended to use songs that people recognize, it gives a familiarity, sometimes in situations which feel very strange and dark and odd, especially when we were first starting the show, the songs weirdly keep you tense but also let you relax because you sort of feel like you're at home. And strangely, some of the bizarre things they're doing, you tend to feel more sympathetic towards them because you're also listening to the song, which actually right, you have such <laughs> a good makes you feel super happy. That's right, and a good association with, um, and, and think about all the young fans that are being introduced to some of this music for which the first like time. Which is like the best stuff ever. Really cool. I know. I think she and I have talked about this a fair amount, but we tend to live in the past sometimes in our music. I think you did a really good job of bringing us up into the present with Grays, but even with that, now, you know, we're doing a lot more 80s covers. and Right, looking back to the, some great old songs, but on the Grays side, we're using the same, the sound of Grays, the bands that would be on the show, recreating some of these older things. But 
what kid shouldn't hear love roller coaster, right? Hello. I mean, hello. Hello. Like but you're missing you know, out on one of the great copyrights of all time. And you know, there's required reading at school. I don't understand why there isn't required listening. You know, somebody should actually sit you down and say, like, there's an entire lexicon of stuff out here that you people should be familiar mm -hmm. with. So, so for anybody who's listening, who's young, well, everyone's younger than me. So <laughs> if you're young, take a note and go at, like, dig through some of your parents' stuff because occasionally there's something really, really good in there which is incredibly cool. And a lot of people now are covering. I mean, listen to the samples and stuff of what a lot of... Right, covering or sampling the original. Think about how many times we've returned to Stevie Wonder. Stevie uh, Wonder. Right? The joys of Stevie Wonder can really not be oversold. But. Oh, Stevie Wonder is just, it, that is just a fun fest barrel of goodness mm -hmm. all the time. Do you have any in this show in the past three years, do you have any favorite placements? Do you have any like do you think about and you just go, oh my God, I love that so much. I'm so glad you used that. I love the Nina Simone. I, you know, my, my, honestly, my favorite, although it's out of context as we talk about all this old music, but, but one of my favorite moments is the album Leaf because I think that totally. we've been able to, to reintroduce it as their love theme over all the seasons. And I think that right now, the, when the audience begins to hear the first tones of that, they sort of know that there's a, a big Fitz Livia moment coming. I know, so there's a little bit of anticipation right, and stuff there. Anticipation. So I love, I love how really the, one of the only one of the few cases where we've used modern music is this sort of non-traditional, non-pop song. Yeah. That is like, that works beautifully. I've got many, you know, I've got many oh, I'm delighted every time I get and to it's, watch it's the actually, cut. it's a nice contract for you in terms of a lot of the other stuff you do, too. Oh, it's so fun. It is really fun. It's been fun to um, do a little research. I am the daughter of a librarian. You know, research she is indeed. <laughs> research is, is fun for me, and to and to like look at these old Billboard charts, looking at hits, but also the lesser known songs of the era. But mostly the you know the well known songs, and to look at urban charts, and to look at top forty charts, and and sort of see what happened in the seventies, and it's, it's interesting. You know, for me, weirdly, one of my favorite placements is from this season, and it's Ben, because it's used really differently in this episode. And I've spoken about it in podcasts before just because thematically it's about a rat, and the whole episode is about rats. It's about there's somebody in your life who's a rat. But the way that it's used, because we very rarely do reprises and bringing it back, starting with it, and then bringing it back, I love the fact that you actually start to put the pieces together partially because the music's playing. That there's there was something really unique about both the usage and also that it's really incongruous because when it first starts in that first scene and it's in her headphones and then it keeps going. And just to recall it for you guys, it's the episode in which Olivia is trying to take care of her mother and her mother's appeared and she's, we have flashbacks of Olivia as a little girl and her mother's leaving to get on the plane. That her mother who she thought was dead and then thought was a martyr and had been wrongfully accused is in fact a rat, just like Ben sings about, and Ben loves the rat. So you're right, there's so many songs which are just incredible in this. I mean, we were just flipping through together and going like, oh my God, that song, and that song, Hot Chocolate. Parliament, Parliament, War, like crazy. Otis Redding. Oh my God. Now, um, we've got a lot of really good Facebook fan questions here, which I'm gonna start to ask you. Um, <laughs> I, I was not warned about the questions. No, no, that's what we like to do is just surprise you. Shantia Daniel would like to know, how did you get into this field? I have been supervising for almost 20 years, which I cannot believe. I started, I booked a rock club. I went to school in the Midwest. I booked a rock club at the University of Illinois. It used to be called College Rock, but I was very interested in what they call indie now. Same stuff, different name. Mm -hmm. uh, and I got uh, really involved with 
live shows, and I realized early on that I was not going to have the ability to attend seven nights a week of, of live shows for the next 25 years and, and uh, still uh, be able to function. So I came out to LA, worked for an, a talent agency, worked for BMI, and then went to work for Roger Corman, famous B-movie producer. We strung together music budgets with gum and tin cans and studio tape, and that is where I got my start. And Roger Corman, for those guys who don't know, really, really famous B-movie producer, he actually mentored Jim Cameron, Gail Ann Hurd, Jonathan Demme, a bunch of producers and directors who, back in the olden times in the 60s and 70s, they produced these amazing sort of exploitation movies that were actually slyly terrifically good. Right, like Rock and Roll High School and Bucket of Blood and a lot of... Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. Um, which was like the big, like gigantically strange hit when it first came out and not the musical version. The, the musical came later. Came later. Right. This was like the original. And Piranha. Piranha. I worked on Piranha 3. You worked on Piranha 3. I worked on... So in, so in the 90s, Roger had a deal with Showtime to remake 16 of these classics. So we did Cage Teeth 3000. By the way, I was a huge Cage Teeth Piranha 3 and Bucket of Blood 2 maybe, but aren't, I... Aren't you in Cage Teeth? I might be in Cage Teeth. You Heat. might be. I might play a character named Greek Ona. Check it out, because I think it's probably a moving, deep, and kind of spectacular mm -hmm. performance. I would, I, I would say. That's, I, would, I, that's, I think that we need to take erase all this and take all this back, actually. <laughs> but uh, that is how I started, and I was lucky enough to get into TV in the in about 2000. I did a show called Roswell and Boston Public, um, and those were my first couple of shows. And then I've had some good luck ever since. A lot of people actually ask how you pick the right music for every scene and what's your criteria. Do you want to talk a little bit about the process for you in terms of how it goes from your big brain to on the screen and what that sort of drive is like? Well, every process is different depending on the project. Like we were saying on Grey's Anatomy, we're creating some 80s covers and that is about reaching out to bands and having some things created or, or looking. So every project is different. Movies have different timelines than shows, but on Scandal, it's about identifying the sound, and that is something that seems to really happen in the pilot lab where things get tried. It's the bubbling pilot laboratory. You're creating the entire artistic fabric of the show. And, and I only, of course, do my little part, but I guess I feel like I'm hand in hand with the costumer and the production designer and editorial and the DP. And you and Shonda have, you guys were really clear on the 70s thing. I think it came, I think it came together quite quickly. Basically, the process for us is that we talk to Alex in the beginning of the process, be it the pilot or the show, and then what Alex does is she generates a bunch of things we call comps, which are just composites of different songs, very often the different CDs. You'll group them in particular ways for particular scenes right. or particular moments in the show that you've sort of envisioned when you read the script, right? Right, that's and right. And so we get this pile of music that she's provided, and very often in her head she's already earmarked music for particular things that she thinks might work. And over the process of shooting and editing, editing, what will happen very often is in the editing room, things change a lot because Shonda and the editors and the people who work on the show sometimes rebuild it because we'll reorder scenes or she'll cut certain things out. And that's when the music becomes even more important because I think you're the tone monitor. Shonda and the editors, like, looking at those scenes as they come in, and sometimes the music is from the comp, sometimes it's from Shonda's head, sometimes it's from your head. It is definitely a collective effort. Sometimes I do pitches 
images for specific scenes after they are shot and edited. Sometimes if something is spoken on camera, the music supervisor is responsible for any, any musical moment that is not score in a show. And so if somebody sings lines of a song, that has to be cleared. The, the unsexy, not fun, but really essential part of the music supervisor's job is to make sure all these songs are cleared, which means that we have permission from the artist. With songs these big and these important, we send out a very specific scene description. We get as close to the exact timing as possible. How long does that usually take you? The whole process is about a week. There are these times too where the artist is missing, like you can't find the artist, or the artist is deceased and you can't find the relative. And we've put Alex in these situations where she's basically a musical detective, so she has to figure out ways to track people down, and sometimes it's super challenging for it you. Is, it can be super challenging. These great artists have are protective of their songs. We've had the great good fortune of, of many of these artists are fans of the show, and we get some songs and some bands that are not typically clearable for television, because they love the show. Georgette Moore Connell wants to know, if you could pick just one song for Mama Pope, what would that be? I'm gonna have to get back to you. Isn't that a tough one? <laughs> I'm unwilling to free associate out of the 70s. So like, right? because it's, because this is my, if I could just come up with a brand new song, but I would have to really think about what would, what would, what would we actually use? Exactly, Not, as opposed to like, Man Eater by Hall & Oates, right. you know, which is, slightly out of the know, era, but, but we maybe will drive into the 80s, that's who knows? Right. But for right now, not not actually the territory. Tamuka Martin Chidyasiku, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, and I apologize if I'm not. <laughs> it is do unlikely. You ever, do, it's totally <laughs> unlikely, and by the way, I can barely pronounce my own name, so. Do you find yourself ever listening to a song the same way after it's been used on the show? Do you find you listen to a song differently after it's been used? I do. I find I listen to this music differently even after just starting this show, <laughs> right? Because yeah. it is now not only like an enjoyable part of my musical history, but research. And so I think about Elton John and Kiki D, how much I would like to, oh. to see Don't Go Breaking My Heart. I, you know, I, I think about, I have a tiny little vault of favorites from the era. You know, and the other thing about this is if we have all these amazing songs, the right scene has to come along. Exactly. The right scene, it has to have the right feel. Um, people often ask me about music and lyrics. And even if the lyrics are exactly right, if it doesn't feel good, if the, if the instrumentation and the way it's recorded and the sounds of the melody are not exactly right, it doesn't matter what they're saying. I think without a doubt, because it's also a lot of what we play with when we place music is what we call fighting the dialogue. So if you have a scene and something's going on, you may love a song and you may love what the song's trying to say, but if the energy and the sound of the song is super distracting, mm -hmm. or the vocals are super distracting, and you stop listening to what people are saying, it doesn't end up supporting the, sh the scene and actually ends up hurting the scene. And there's this very delicate balance between an incredibly audacious placement Sometimes it works incredibly well, and then other times we have to pull ourselves back and go like, I really, 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 really wanted that to work. Right, you know? and it didn't. And it didn't. Because it was distracting. Exactly. Because, because the song was so big you stopped listening because you're pulled into the song. And because you know the song, a lot of cases on Scandal, you just want to sing along to the song. And so we have to, We another thing we do is if you listen when you're watching your television or iPad or you know whatever you'd watch your the Fun. shows on we try to balance the volume levels mm -hmm. so that at particular moments you'll hear the song go up and down and that's important too because 
sometimes we have to pull it out a little bit so it doesn't overwhelm what's going on, which is a whole, a right. whole other thing. But it is sort of for you. I mean, your job never really ends. I mean, I know I've been in the car with you where both of us, a song will come on and both of us will look at each other and say, okay, remember that because you hadn't thought about we that. We never or, do, but it's- We a never <laughs> do. We never remember it, by the way. This has happened about a hundred times. Thank you so much for coming, Alex. It's been great to have you. I also want to remind everybody who loves Alex's music selections and her incredible ability to find the most tremendous music from the 70s for Shonda and the show and for all of us here. We have a soundtrack. It's called the Scandal Soundtrack and you can get it on Stax Records. Check it out. It's great. It's a terrific selection of a lot of the best songs, I think, that we've had over the past couple of years. Next week, we're going to have another brand new episode of Scandal. It's going to be at 10 o'clock at night. I know that's on Thursday. That's probably a surprise to you guys because Okay, it's Thursday at 10 o'clock on ABC. And of course, you also might want to watch Grey's Anatomy at 9 o'clock on Thursday on ABC. Totally new episode. Doctors definitely without borders in their own hospital. Like, I think there are really no boundaries. I should say doctors with no boundaries. It's, 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 it you got to watch it that too. It is a boundaryless it, you know, situation. It, exactly. I think very, very boundary-free. Boundary-free. A boundary-free boundary zone. zone. It's hard exactly, to say. exactly. Thank you so much, Alex Patsavas for doing this for us. And please remember, there are just three more episodes left this season of Scandal, so don't miss them, okay? You can't miss them because the wheels are coming off the bus. Remember, follow us on Facebook, Twitter. Our official hashtag is the incredibly imaginative hashtag Scandal. Pinterest, <laughs> Tumblr, and for me particularly, abc.com because I myself can always find it. This is Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer of Scandal. This is Scandal Revealed. Please join me next week. Have a great and safe week. Take care, you guys. 